are in a series called For the Streets. <laughs> and I want to read a scripture found in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, verse number 24. 1 Samuel chapter 17, no, verse number 2. Let's, verse number 2. 1 Samuel 17, verse 2. It says, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, and his height was six cubits and a span. I want to pause there and talk from this subject in our time together. I'm in these streets. Clap your hands, change. Come on, Jersey, clap your hands. <laughs> I'm in these streets. I want to ease into this introduction by informing some and reminding others that your creation is not a coincidence. That your presence on this planet has purpose. Your arrival on this earth may not have been planned by your parents, but it was purposed by God. You are not random. You are not the consequence of a mistake you are not simply the product of one night of passion you were strategically selected to be born at the point in human history you were born in because as one leader frequently says great men and women are only born for the time they're needed the most you are not random you are necessary and if you are alive at this time, it's because it is your time. I must say that one more time. If there were another point in human history that God knew would be the highest and best use of you, he would have arranged for you to be born in that time period. But God, who through his providence, pro means before, video means to see, the God who sees before, looks out from eternity into time and sees the best time in eternity that you need to be placed in. And he sovereignly and strategically arranges for you to be born when you needed to be born, where you needed to be born, with what you needed to be born with, to do absolutely everything that he created you to do am I talking to anybody here that's feeling this your creator created you because he knew there was a contribution that you needed to make in the earth so he customized you in creation with the personality, with the temperament, with the natural abilities, with the proclivities, with the tendencies, with the attitude, with the gifts you needed to accomplish the assignment that he sent you in the earth to accomplish. I want to tell you, not only is your ability purposeful, your identity is purposeful, that God took your personality into consideration when he was assigning your purpose. Did you hear what I just said? Some people are telling you you are outgoing, but they don't know your assignment requires. Yeah. 
people who aren't outgoing can't accomplish your assignment. Am I making sense? Some people say you're too analytical and you are too strategic and you are too yang 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 yang. Not realizing and recognizing that that is required to handle the plethora of responsibilities that's been given to me by God. And stop allowing people who don't know your function to judge you for your form. You can't criticize how I've been made because you don't know what I've been made for. I wish I had somebody in here that would talk back to me. Let me give it to you this way. We got to get out of here. When you frequently apologize for how you were made, you are insulting the one that made you. I'm going to say that one more time because Jersey, you wasn't loud enough and ATL, you need to turn it up to when you frequently apologize for how you were made, you are insulting the one who made you. You were made for a mission. You were made for a reason. And if the way that I am made is upset and agitating you, it means you're not my assignment. Did you hear what I just said? It doesn't mean anything is wrong with me. It doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. It just means we are not called to each other. So may the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. You've been made for a mission. And you don't see people of purpose apologizing for how they're made. You actually see them appreciating it. Listen to what David says. David says this in Psalms 139 verse 13. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And watch this. I praise you. Not just because of who you are. Read the text. He says, I'm praising you, not just for who you are. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. When he says your works are wonderful, what he's talking about? He's talking about the work you work on me. He said, when I look in the mirror, I see your work. And your work is not average. Your work is not mediocre. Your work is not okay. Your work is wonderful, amazing, fantastic, splendiferous, magnanimous, good, gooder, and good. Is there anybody that will praise God for how you are made? Boy, I don't have time. If I did. <laughs> yeah, apologize for dysfunction, but don't apologize for your function. This is important. This is important. This is important. You've been made for a mission, and your mission is that pur is purpose. Purpose is the reason for the creation or the existence of a thing. You don't pick it, you discover it. You don't select it, 
you see it and you submit to it. It requires submission. It requires you having the kind of conversations with God that Jesus had with him in the garden of Gethsemane. If it's possible, remove this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Purpose. When you find it, you buy the field to get the pearl. You adjust your schedule for it, change your location for it, reduce your standard of living for it. Possessions give you a standard of living. Purpose gives you quality of life. Because your quality of life changes when you do. Purpose assists with this because it's the assignment that you have on earth that actually demands your evolution. In other words, some things about us don't change because they cause us pain. Some things <laughs> only change when we discover purpose. I'm going to say this one more time. Some people will never be able to deal with their dysfunction until they discover their destiny. Because there are some of us that don't do things not because we don't want to, but because our, our calling won't allow it. Okay, maybe that's the next service. That's did you hear what I just said? Some of you knew if you didn't have as many people looking up to you, if you didn't have as many people depending on you, if you did not have the respect of your children hanging in the balance, how would you have responded to certain situations? What would you have done in certain predicaments? But the assignment will demand an evolution. You say, you can't handle that that way now. Your presence on the planet has purpose. But y'all ready for the revelation? I say y'all ready for this revelation? Here it is. But there's something I need to be clear on. Yes, we all have a purpose. But your purpose expresses itself in a place. Oftentimes, we are obsessed with the what question. What am I supposed to be doing? That's not incorrect, but if you stop there, it's incomplete. Because there's another question you've got to ask if you're serious about living a purpose-driven life. And that question is, where? It's not just what am I supposed to be doing, but where am I supposed to be doing it? Am I making sense here? After you know the what, we need to know the where. And I don't know where your where is specifically, but I do know where it is generally. And I'm going to start where it is not. It is not the church. Yep. You didn't see that one coming, did you? Listen to me. I am not saying that the church is unimportant. You need the church, you should serve the church, you should see the church as the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. However, church is what God has chosen to use to make you. It is not what you were made for. Maybe I should have waited till next year to preach this because 
This is shaking a little theological tree here. I said church is what God, should we attend church? Yes. Should we serve the church? Yes. Should we support the church? Yes. Should we sow into the church? Yes. But church is what God uses to make you. It is not what you have been made for. <laughs> you are a part of the church you are a part of the church and the role of the church is to equip you for your assignment and your assignment is in the streets let me go we're not preaching mary had a little lamb we're getting ready to release an army of people that are getting ready to change the world. We're getting ready to release an army of people that are not just going to sit in church and have church, but are going to leave the church on Sunday and shake some stuff up on Monday. We're raising up an army that will take territory for the kingdom of God. You were made, you are made by the church, but you are not made for the church. You are made for the streets. Your purpose is an answer to a problem. And the problems you've been created to solve are in the streets. And the reason, oh my. I'm out here now. And one of the reasons, there are so many problems in the church. Talk back to me, Jersey. I said the, one of the reasons there are so many problems in the church is this. Purpose is an answer to a problem, so when you know your purpose, you solve problems. But when you don't, you cause them. Whenever you see a problem, a chronic problem causer, you see a person that's not clear on what they're supposed to be doing with their time. And when I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in the streets, I cause chaos and cacophony in the church. When I do not understand my assignment in the streets, I play politics for positions in church. When I do not see the value that I am supposed to add in the streets, I become territorial and possessive and combative and competitive in the church because this is all I have as a source of significance. But you are not made for the church. You are made for the streets. You've been made for the streets. You've been anointed for the streets. You've been built for the streets. Jesus articulated it this way. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. 
dark places only get darker when light stays absent. So we want to change places that y'all don't want Christians to invade. This is the quietest this church has been since we opened it. Did you hear what I just said? God has not called us just to be critics of culture. He's called us to be contributors to the transformation of it. Did you hear what I said? That's what you need an anointing for. You don't just need an anointing to quicken in a church service, but you need anointing to keep your character when you are surrounded by people who don't have it. You need an anointing to keep your ethics when everybody is doing unethical things to get higher and to get seen. And an example of what I'm talking about is in the text. I have never seen this in my life. I've been carrying, my sister sent me a, uh, a picture of my nephew yesterday, and uh, he, he, he's super young, and they were in a shoe store. He had, the, he had a Bible. Uh, she was trying on shoes, had a Bible sitting on the, on the, on the bench. And she said, she said, Josh is carrying around his Bible like you did when you were little. I've been reading this book for a long time. I never saw this. Often when the story of David and Goliath is told, the emphasis is on what happened. Feel me? But I was reading it recently and something jumped out at me where it happened. We read it in the text. It says that it happened at a place called the Valley of Elah. The text says Philistines were on one hill. The Israelites were on another hill. And there was a place of flat land called the Valley of Elah. It's called a valley not because it was low, but because it was flat. It was 15 miles southwest of Bethlehem, so uh, people who were traveling to and from coastal cities would use that valley as a route to travel because you're not trying to take cattle up a hill. So they used, they call it a valley, but it was used as a street. Somebody talk back to me, please. It was a road because people who were traveling to and from coastal cities traveled using that route. It was a street. So David defeated Goliath. He didn't defeat him in the church. He defeated him in the streets. And you have a Goliath that you're supposed to take out. And your Goliath is in the streets. Oh. 
Purpose is an answer to a problem. Goliath represents the problems you're supposed to solve. But your Goliath is in a place. And, and some of us, listen to me, we agitated by the Goliaths you assigned to. I hate this about this business. That's why you're there. I hate this about this industry. That's why you're there. I hate the way these people are. That's why you're there to model something different. To say you can win and still keep your integrity. Tario, we got three minutes. We got to get out of here. Here it is. Listen to me, guys. Listen to me. Listen to me. David's street was the valley of Elah. That might not be your street, but we all have a street. So when I say for the streets, I simply mean for society. I'm just, I'm just using that as a metaphor, not for the streets. Like, we for the streets. Because I know some of y'all, you leave it. Pastor said. We're going to brunch because pastor said. Before the streets, I need to go in these dark places and bring a little light. <laughs> like, no, you're going to get lit. You're not going to bring light. Now, I hope this sermon, I hope this preaching presentation is making our purpose statement as a church make more sense to you. We want to help as many people as possible change their life so that. So if your life has changed, great. But if you stop there, that's not incorrect, it's incomplete. There's a street or some streets that you've been assigned to. And your life change is so that you can bring change to the streets God's assigned you to. Reggie McNeil, Reggie McNeil uh, talks about this. He, he divides society into seven sectors that I call seven streets. He says when we talk about changing the world, impacting culture, it can be divided into seven sectors. I call them streets, and I want to give them to you really quickly. The first one is the religious street. That's, that's a street I'm called to. There are Goliaths in this street that are my assignment. Am I making sense? Yep. Then there's the family street. The family street. Listen to me. Sometimes one of the most important things you will do is not what you do, it's who you raise. I'm so glad my father took raising me seriously. He parented me like it was his purpose. There are some Goliaths in families. Generational Goliaths. 
sibling rivalry. Listen to this, don't miss it. Children who had to raise parents. I didn't, I didn't misspeak. They're Goliaths. Our children are facing Goliaths. And some of us, how do you know if you call to the street? If you have a family, you call to it. They're Goliaths in marriages. You got to fight. You got the religious street. You got the family street. You got the education street. And when I say education, I'm not just talking about traditional education. There are all sorts of education. There's physical edu education. Like in the areas of, well, uh, uh, like, uh, I'm sorry, well, you got, you got all sorts of education. Like you could be, you can be a coach. You can be, am I making sense? You don't have to just be a teacher, but if you're educating people in any way, if you're teaching people anything, does that make sense? Like, am, am I making sense? Yeah. So, so you can be a radio host and be educating people. You can be educating through conversation. Am I making sense? You got the wellness street. Almost everything God's going to call you to do is going to require your body. I was talking to a mentor of mine who I had noticed he had been out of the pulpit a few weeks. And he told me, he said, yeah, I had a, um, a mass on my vocal cord and they had to cut it out and see if it was cancerous or whatever. And it wasn't, thank God. And he was just like, he said, but I didn't know how much my voice drove everything I did until I couldn't use it. He said, I thought I would be okay without preaching because I got all these businesses. He said, I couldn't run a meeting because I couldn't talk. You don't think God cares about wellness? You don't see that as a holy calling? Physical wellness, emotional wellness, relational wellness. That's a street. Arts and media. The arts, the entertainment, the media industry. That's a street. Am I making sense? Government. That's a street. Business, that's a street. Corrupt things don't become less corrupt by you calling them that. Somebody has to be a missionary that invades that space. You are, I am for the streets. You've been born for the streets. So there are three things. Can I tell you this? Y'all know I, I like to give you points. I'm a teacher. I like to. Three things real quick I, I want to just instruct you to do. Number one, I want you to own your street. I want you to stop apologizing for staying on a street God put you on. In his book, Life-Changing Leadership, Frank Damasio says, uses a word to describe your street. He calls it a metron. 
based off what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we dare not classify or compare ourselves with someone who, some who commend themselves. They measure themselves by themselves and they compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits. We will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God has assigned to us. And that sphere includes you. The sphere of service, there's a word called metron. It's like God's drawn a circle and say, everything in this circle is yours. When you get this revelation, you will never be obsessed with competitiveness and jealousy. Because we can be on the same street, but God's already drawn my circle. And my people are my people. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. Own your street. Number two, improve your street. God didn't put you on that street for that street to stay the same. There's value you bring to that street. The fact that you're on it should improve it. And you should improve it. I don't even really have time to unpack this. But you should improve it without discrimination. What do I mean there? Christians are called to help Christians. But that's not all the people you've been called to help. Y'all know I got Bible. I can show you where there are people Jesus healed that didn't believe what he believed. One woman was a Syrophoenician woman. Said, my daughter's vexed with the devil. Jesus literally said it's not fitting to take which is the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Not insulting her, but saying, hey, you're a Gentile. You, you're unclean. You're not even a part of the family of God. There is some evangelism that can only take place after impact. So you bring value to the street. We're going to talk about this later in the series. You're like Daniel. You got to bring excellence to that street. Because it's your excellence that they value. <laughs> and when that happens, you'll be able to do number three, which is evangelize your street. Boy, I need time. Because this is not trying to force the Bible down everybody's throat in your street. This is a being a witness, which is what you shall be my witnesses, has way more to do with what you do with your life than your lips. Life first, lips second. You live it. Your first assignment in that street is to be an example of how to do this the king's way. People on your street have seen gifts like yours. Like when a person's a good speaker, they're not really blown away by a good speaker. You, you pretty much seen everything somebody can do with a mic. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, so people on your street are not always impressed with like gifts like yours. They've seen gifts like yours before. I know you think they haven't, but they have. <laughs> nobody before me, nobody after me. Yeah. 
Somebody else is going to be hot later. It's, it's, but they hadn't seen gifts like yours with character like yours. They seen high gift, low character, or low gift, high character. When they see somebody that is good and a good person, eventually what they will do is initiate conversations you don't have to initiate Nicodemus will come to you at night and say hey can you pray for me they will come to you on your street and start talking to you not about the street they'll start talking to you about them and you're like I don't know you enough to be telling for you to be telling now I'm not gonna tell you mine but I'm safe so yours is safe with me I don't know if mine is safe with you I gotta go but the purpose of God putting you on that street isn't to glorify you it's to glorify him so that people, when people in private begin to compliment you on your success, you point them to the source of it. God did it. And my heart was burning with this. I know this doesn't seem amazingly inspiring. But so many people are confused, discouraged, deflated, because they're searching for significance, not realizing the significance of their own street. Because in church settings, we have made this seem like it's the only holy calling. So if you're not doing it here, it's not as significant and it's not as spiritual. Your street becomes a holy street when you get on it. And some of you right now, we got to go, but you've been wrestling with significance. And it's because you don't know the significance of your street. My wife and I were at uh, a restaurant Friday. One of our members here, what's the name of the restaurant, babe? Spice House? Spice House. Ooh, it was good in Buckhead. My God. I said, what took me so long to get to this? We had had, it has been a marathon since October 30th with our businesses and with this church. It's just been a lot. And we, we take some friends to this restaurant and we, I guess good food is safe. It's a band. Give me some of that nineties R and B survive I'm looking over at Shamika like oh it's just a vibe and I'm like I wonder does this brother think he's just running a business or does he know he's creating a safe haven for people like me it's a holy calling 
I see all the people walking around working. I said, they paying their rent because he opened this. It's a holy calling. It's God's work. I wonder how many people he's able to talk to his faith about running this. It's a holy calling. It's God's work. And you got a holy calling. And the work you're doing is a good work. And it's God's work. Father, I pray against attitudes of insignificance. I pray for people who are confused, deflated, feeling like they're not doing enough. May you help them to see that they are enough. They have always been enough because you are enough. Help us to own our streets. Help us to improve our streets and evangelize them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, listen. Would you clap your hands, everybody?